Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Asif Khan and Abriana Lopez. All right, we are back with your favorite podcast show of the week. This is This Week in Location-Based Marketing, episode number 433, and we're recording live on September the 24th. Abriana, how are you this week? I am awesome. Um, starting to kind of feel like fall. We just, uh, you know, we're back from a weekend. We celebrated my daughter's youngest daughter's second birthday, which is actually tomorrow. And gearing up for lots of fall travel. You know, it's like the conference circuit begins here. Uh, it's ad week going on right now. Uh, we've got retail loco coming up here in Atlanta um, and lots of other travel and shows. So it's like, it's time to go. I feel like I need to uh, be in the gym a little bit more to be prepared for all this. How about you? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm I'm with you on that. Like it's been it's been nice because I haven't really traveled much uh, over the summer, but yeah, it's coming now, right? So, yeah, as you said, Retail Loco in Atlanta, October 21, 22, the same week I go from Atlanta to Tokyo. We have a big uh, LBMA conference in Tokyo on the 25th, and then uh, there's a couple of uh, LBMA events in Melbourne and Sydney in November, and like there's just there's just lots going on. So. Yeah, and you like really go such horrible places, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> um, so, well, I, I am in New York next week, you know. Like the, there, there is that. Just you know, but that's just a day trip, so that's all right. Awesome. Um, it's all good. Um, yeah, no, it's it's a busy time, and uh, yeah, I'm with you on the like the temperature is still really super like nice and warm. It's it's been like in the 80s every day which is great uh in toronto but yeah you can start to see like the fall is coming some of the leaves are starting to kind of get ready to turn and all of that so it's yeah it's on its way yeah all the ragweed is like you know completely taken over here uh in atlanta so allergy time is, yeah it's like if you get the fall and this and the spring allergies here you're just like you know really special and that's so there you go <laughs> All right, well, we got a good show for you this week. Three industry stories, three member news stories, um, and I'll let you kick it off as usual. All right, well, it's an exciting time in baseball season, right? We're starting to get to the end of the season. The Braves clinched. Hey, go Braves. Um, and so it's exciting, but this is kind of a baseball story, not from the Braves, but from um, the New York Yankees. And they have teamed up with Postmates. So this is kind of cool because you have seen Postmates delivering to homes or to locations and businesses, um, even schools. But we haven't really seen something like this before. And um, what they're doing is they're using Postmates for in-stadium, um, like ordering and kind of fulfillment. So think of this as, you know, you can order food and drinks from your seat. And then rather than having to, you know, get up and like go stand in a concession stand line and wait and miss, you know, a whole half inning of the game just to get your hot dog or beer or whatever. Um, now you can just pick them up in a designated concession stand area when they're ready. So um, this is only for two sections. They're testing it out right now, sections 113 and 116. Um, and they're going to go through the end of the season there. And this is not really the first foray that, that Postmates has into the baseball stadium or kind of the event venue, they started working with, well, they made an announcement in August that they would be working with the LA Dodgers at Dodgers Stadium. And then they also are doing um, something with AEG for some of the festivals and concerts like Coachella. So 
um, you know, mobile ordering, you pick it up. Um, so I like this. There's not really a whole lot of depth to the story, but I think that um, there's a couple of things here, right? You have Postmates thinking outside of the box on what their business model is. Um, and instead of just thinking about delivering, you know, to residential places, they're thinking about really it's about connecting consumers with food. So it doesn't necessarily have to be outside food. It doesn't necessarily have to be, um, you know, the way that we have traditionally seen something like a Grubhub or a Postmates work. Um, so I really like this. I think this gives them basically another vertical to go after and kind of conquer. And they're all about just connecting consumers with what they want at that moment. Um, so I think this is good. I mean, we talk about the, the um, I, I guess, like the convenience factor, right? Pretty much every story we have on this show uh, that touches the consumer highlights a convenience factor. And this is yet another one of those. So that trend continues. And I expect that we'll see more of these types of partnerships and announcements coming from these types of companies because it's all about connecting the right people with the right product at the right time. Yeah, you know, it's, um, you know, I, I can see, I can see this being uh, a good use case. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's not what you normally think of, right? When you think of Postmates or any of these kind of delivery uh, type of services, right? But, you know, we were just at a baseball game uh, together in Toronto um, a little while ago. And, you know, we were, you know, it wasn't, the stadium wasn't crowded. The Blue Jays are not in the, uh, in the postseason or anything like that. Uh, but, you know, you can imagine, right? Like in, in a playoff environment, especially, uh, stadiums packed, fans going crazy, concession stand lineups are huge. Um, you know, to be able to have the convenience of something like this, I think makes sense, right? And uh, obviously, you know, they're testing this with the Dodgers too, uh, also a playoff team. Uh, so, you know, I think um, in those types of environments, I think that, you know, that uh, this could be a pretty interesting use case. What I'm intrigued to, to know about, and it's not talked about in the story at all, is, you know, what, what are the... Uh, the revenue dynamics of, of this particular deal. What does it look like uh, in terms of, you know, is it a percentage of the concession sale? Is, is it a flat fee? You know, how are they going about this? Um, and um, that to me would be interesting to see because I think if, if it's, if it's a, a flat fee service, I can see this thing kind of, you know, really rolling out quickly across a lot of different environments, not just stadiums, but like, um, you know, all sorts of other, other places where you know you can see that like think casino properties think all sorts of different kinds of things uh that you could you could do this in but um yeah i, I like it i think it's interesting and um we'll, we'll see how it plays out but I'd, I'd like to know more about the fee side of it yeah for sure all right on to our uh, our second story for this week so mars inc uh which is a big uh food and beverage packaged goods company um, they have a product, uh, that we all know called uncle Ben's, uh, you know, the uh, instant rice, uh, product that's out there and they ha are testing right now. They're the first, uh, product, um, to test a, uh, Google lens, uh, visual search technology. So they've teamed up with uh, a company called Init, I N N I T, which is, uh, they call themselves a connected food platform. Um, and it's artificial intelligence driven uh, solution and it uses Google Lens visual search. So why I brought this story out this week is because, you know, we, we talk a lot um, at retail local conferences and on the show about kind of where search is going, where local search is going and, and this kind of movement to voice 
And the other piece that we talk a lot about is also, you know, image recognition and visual. And I think this story illustrates it well, uh, in that essentially what they're doing, Uncle Ben's is the first food brand to try this. Um, and, and so essentially you're searching based on what you see. And so you hold up your phone with Google Lens, uh, you see that box there uh, in front of you, it recognizes the product, uh, think augmented reality in, in image, you know, in, in the marker recognition, if you will, if you're familiar with how that works. Um, and then it, it returns information uh, about the product, you know, recipe ideas, uh, you know, uh, nutrition information, you know, whatever it is that you're, you, you know, that they can pack in there, step by step cook, cooking videos on how to make that, you know, super complicated Uncle Ben's rice, uh, you know, all those things, right? Um, but, but the point is, is that um, simply by using your phone, holding it up in front of an object, in this case, Uncle Ben's box, uh, you know, you can, you can automatically generate, you know, search results and content related to that object. Um, you know, in some ways it's kind of like a really fancy, you know, QR code maybe. Um, but the point here that we're going after is, is that it's based on uh, the image of the product itself. Uh, you don't need to add anything additional to the box or, uh, or to the packaging in, in that way. Uh, Amazon has a similar technology uh, that they released some years ago um, and um, you know you could basically uh, you know see the image scan the image and then it would go and find that product on Amazon and give you the price and all that sort of stuff um, this is more about you know content related to the product and uh, as opposed to you know, pricing information and you know, finding the best deal um, but um, I like it I think it I think it's uh, you know, it speaks to the power of kind of what you can do, um, you know, with with, uh, with visual search, so. Yeah, I like the story too. So what I like about this story is that, you know, Uncle Ben's is a very much more traditional brand um, and they've been around a long time. And um, I mean, don't get me wrong, you will never catch this Latina buying any Uncle Ben's rice because uh, my ancestors might come <laughs> come back from the grave and find me. Uh, but anyways, I think that what's really great about this is they're thinking, you know, outside of the box and they're, and they're being futuristic here. So I'm not sure that there is a ton that can be done with it. You know, the nutrition information, the recipe ideas, those things are, you know, you can do those other ways. But um, I think that what, what's interesting here is maybe being able to capture what else is going on in the images around what's going on with uncle Ben's rice and it would be really great for these types of brands to be able to get any any of that feedback, right? I'm not sure that Google would ever share that with them. But, you know, having ideas of like what other things are people interested in that have that type of uh, tendency to purchase this brand, I think is is really interesting as well. So, you know, I think this is probably just the beginning of like the image recognition and um, it's going to, it's a it's a hard thing to do really well because there's always new things. And, and so, um, you know, but it's, it's almost like um, you think about like crowd crowdsourced uh, navigation, right? Mm -hmm. There's always new rows. There's always new paths. There's always uh, construction and um, you know, rerouting and things of like that. And so, you know, with a crowdsourcing type of a thing, those things get easily recognized. Whereas with a crowdsourcing type of image recognition, these things get recognized as well. So it's something that can certainly scale. And I think that more brands are going to be taking advantage of that probably in the future. There you go. Well said. 
All right, so this is an interesting story for me and it kind of hits close to home. So Toys R Us, we know we talked a lot about them going out of business, filing bankruptcy, closing, all of these things that happened last year. Um, and, you know, we just talked about like where they really fell flat and what were the, you know, the issues that um, kind of drove them to that. And in some ways they're sort of back, right? So True Kids is, is the company and it's the new owner of the Toys R Us brand. Um, and they are partnering with a company called Candytopia, which we also had recently here in Atlanta. Um, and this is sort of part of a plan to kind of reinvigorate the whole play and toy space. So, um, you know, interactive elements designed to attract shoppers, bring, you know, kids and families in and give them this experience. Um, so they're going to have more than a dozen interactive playrooms that include installations uh, from Toys R Us mascot like Jeffrey the Giraffe. They still own those rights as well. And this is going to happen through the 2019 holidays. So I'm expecting this is going to happen next month. Um, they say Chicago and Atlanta. Um, and then they're going to move on to some other locations. I know that these types of experiences have done really well here in Atlanta. Um, so you know, I, I expect that this will as well. So the True Kids executives have sort of um, promised like what has happened before is not going to happen again. So what happened in the past was this lack of innovation, lack of providing an experience versus just being a place where people can go and find toys. Mm -hmm. um, and so obviously that along with all of the debt that they had kind of led to the demise of Toys R Us. And so they're trying to take a different spin on things and provide this more interactive play and shop. Um, so, you know, we had 800 us stores go, uh, you know, out of business last year and now true kids is hoping to kind of change that. So I had several friends who took their, their kids to Candytopia, um, which was just a few months ago here. And I know that they enjoyed it. They had good things to say about lots of good photo ops and, you know, an experience, I tried to avoid that because I don't think my children need any more sugar than they already have. But um, I'm down with like more of the play experience. I think this is good. Uh, and I think that they're just like popping up left and right. You know, there's just different things that are all these interactive, not necessarily just play, but you know, like dinosaurs or whatever. And, and it's just a good thing because it's temporal. Families get out and go do this. Um, and then True Kids also plans on opening another 10 actual Toys R Us stores in 2020 um, in the U.S. So I think this is fun. I mean, I, I like the way that people understand that it has to be an experience. It can't just be a store. It has to be evolving. Um, you know what I think about sometimes when I think about this experience is, um, what is the hotel in Vegas? Is it the, is it the Bellagio that always has a different um, theme going on inside their like atrium there? Mm -hmm. And every season it changes, right? So people are coming and going and there's people who love to go to Vegas, like they go, you know, every quarter, it is their fun place to go. But something like that, that is evolving and changing gives you a reason for people to actually come into your casino, come into your location. So I think this is very similar. You have lots of holidays you can theme around, you have lots of shopping times that you can kind of build around as well. But um, you know, something that keeps families coming back in and, you know, they're not going to leave empty handed, I think is a great option, um, to try and, 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 and move ahead with the, with the toy, toy store. So. There you go. So, I mean, I like this story too. I'm, I'm a 
big proponent for you know creating experiences, creating uh, interaction uh, in a, in a retail environment. I think it's it's what physical retail needs to be. You know, not just in toys, but in every category. I think that you know if you're going to compete with uh, you know the pricing of Amazon and people like that, the only way you do that effectively is through experiences and, and unique things that can happen physically on site. Um, um, you know that tie into people's you know humanity and emotional side right so and and play is 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 absolutely one of those things so i love this i think um it's super interesting you know um that they're teaming up with candytopia for this i think that you know doing this in your in your you know neighborhood in atlanta uh, i'm interested to hear the feedback maybe next year for retail loco maybe we go on you know retail tour to uh to uh to the candytopia uh true kid store right so We'll see. Um, that, that'll be interesting. The one thing, uh, two things. Um, one thing I, I'm always confused with these kinds of things is when I look at pricing for this, why why are they why do they charge 28 bucks for adults to to go to this thing? Like, why is there an adult fee? It, you should be like almost making it free for adults to bring their kids, right, or bring groups of kids in, and not be like trying to you know make money off of the adults there. What are the adults doing there other than watching their kids, right? Um, have fun. And so I always struggle with that. We we had this place up here near me um, that was nothing like this, but it, uh, like I live in, in farm country. And so there's this huge farm um, and uh, we would go there all the time. And they had, they built this um, like massive for years and years, this play area. And you would pay to go in and there'd be like, you know, the, the maze made out of straw bales, the, you know, all sorts of different things, like tons of activities. Um, and it was super fun. And then about five years ago, all of a sudden, like, and you would just pay for, for the kids to go. All of a sudden, they started charging for adults to go to this thing. And I'm like, really? Like, I'm not running through the maze. I'm there, like, watching my kids, like, go through this thing. Um, and, and it just went down and down and down. Eventually, they sold the farm. Now it's gone completely. So, um, you, you know, it, it's, you know, I always struggle with that. And then, and then my, my second thought is, is, you know, it's one thing to create great play experiences, but I think that, um, you know, if you are going to charge adults for this, then, you know, there, there better be some sort of real digital engagement that's part of this, right? It can't just be about the toys. There's gotta be some other element to this. One thing I really love about, uh, you know, kids' movies today, like I can go and watch an animated movie today with my kids. Uh, whether it's the Angry Birds movie or whatever movie it is, and the writing is great because the the jokes that are that they they pack into these into the into the dialogue, mo half the jokes are actually there for the parents. I think because yeah. <laughs> the kids don't get it right uh, of what's going on, and I and I think that if you can build those kinds of things into some sort of digital experience in this environment, then I think you hit a real home run, right? Where the, the parents are having fun at the same time that the kids are having. Yeah, so there's this new um, place that just recently opened here in Atlanta. I think they have one in LA and they're planning on maybe opening some more coming up soon, but it's called uh, Kefi or Kefi. It's K-E-F-I. Yes. So what's really interesting is that, um, you know, my, my friend went there and she's a working mom as well. And she's like, took my kid. And there's like people that play with your children. Like there's a, a place where different areas where the kids can go and play and then there's an adults only space so you get to go in and you work you know you have two hours you go in you work on your laptop you send your emails you do what you want your kids get out get to run around 
Um, and so they said they're even looking at, they have like, I think coffee and some snacks and they're thinking about even getting like a liquor license so the adults could have a glass of wine or whatever. But I think that stuff like that is, is built with today's people in mind, right? Yeah. I need to have an adult conversation. My kids want to play. How can I facilitate that? That is providing a service for the children and for the parents. So, you know, if there's like a, a, Candytopia type thing where you're going to have these like babysitters that kind of play with your children and walk through while the kids get to do something else and you get to see it like you know you're there supervising but you don't have to be there hands on then you're like okay that you know that to me yeah. makes sense that I'll pay for but um you know so I think it's just about how people are thinking about it and and these are pop-ups so I think that you know maybe the pop-up idea has a little more sustainability making the adults pay. Whereas something that's there all the time, it's not sustainable. Like you mentioned. But. Yeah. And it's great that you bring up the, uh, Kifi or whatever it is. So I just, I just found out about these guys the other day, because if you remember last year, at Rita Loco, we had Becky Snyder, uh, from Mizuno. She's yeah, now the GM at Kifi. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So there you go. We'll have to hear more about that. <laughs> yeah, we will. Maybe she'll come talk about it. We'll see. Yeah. Um, all right, so that's our three industry news stories for this week. Um, we're going to shift over now to our members um, and kind of talk about what they're up to. And as always, I'll, I'll kick that part off with a story uh, over in uh, our APAC uh, region. And Heineken has teamed up with uh, the uh, app Grab. Um, so Grab is one of these, um, you, you know, kind of like Postmates, uh, you know, food delivery payments, kind of, you know, multi-purpose platform. Um, and they're really big. They're huge in, in Southeast Asia um, in particular, um, you know, in Singapore and in Indonesia and in some of these markets. And uh, so they're teamed up with Heineken, which is super interesting to me because you don't tend to see these types of, um, you know, sort of alcohol, beverage alcohol partnerships with, with, with you know, that, that type of delivery uh, app. Uh, but over there, um, this is what they're doing. So basically people, uh, they've created a special Heineken store uh, where people can buy uh, the Heineken brands from and they use Grab Pay to purchase and then they get it delivered to their homes. Um, and then uh, Heineken's also using Grab uh, as marketing services and its business services for uh, internal employee usage as well, which is super interesting. So. Um, so this is like a fairly robust partnership. It's not just consumer facing. It's also, uh, internally employee B2B type of, uh, oriented as, at the same time. Um, you know, so for, for me, it's, um, the, the biggest part of this story from what I gather from it is, is obviously, you know, they've, they've got the store, there's some revenue, there's, there's a delivery service, there's all the normal stuff in that, that we usually talk about, but in kind of hearing what the Heineken uh, rep who, uh, who was quoted uh, said is, is that they see this as a really interesting way to do uh, new product uh, launches and product sampling. Um, so that to me is, is, is fascinating, right? Because if you think about consumer beverages, whether it's alcoholic beverages like this or Pepsi or Coke or whatever, you know, we're, we're all, we all grew up with the, you know, uh, the taste test, you know, product sampling, blind sampling, you know, is it Coke, is it Pepsi, which one's better, all that sort of stuff, right? And, but, you know, actually getting product out into the hands of people in their homes and getting feedback on it, um, 
you know, through and leveraging kind of this type of uh, app-based delivery platform, I think is, is brilliant to me. Um, so that to me is what I'm most excited about in this story. I think it's, it, it's a different spin on, you know, how you bring things to market and how you get feedback. And ultimately, for most of these companies, whether it's Heineken or Coke or any of those kinds of companies, historically, they've, they've always relied on somebody else to build their brand or to, to have that relationship with the end consumer. There's always been a middleman, typically, right? It's been, you know, the restaurant that sells their product or the bar or the grocery store or the convenience store, or whatever it is that is carrying their product in the store. And now, when you go this route and you go through a platform like this, all of a sudden you have a direct touch point with the end consumer, between Heineken in this case and, and whoever the consumer is. And, and you're able to kind of get direct feedback. You're able to have you know, a direct customer relationship, a direct brand impact, and all those kinds of things that I think um, you know, has been a struggle for, for these companies for a long time. So they're launching initially in Singapore and Vietnam at the end of September, and then they're expanding to Philippines, Thailand, Myanmar, and Cambodia. Um, shortly after so uh, super interesting yeah I do find this really interesting and um, you know we wish we could have delivery services like this here in the States uh, usually does not happen there's so much obviously like uh, I don't know red tape around any type of alcohol delivery it seems like it's been hard for anybody to do really successfully or at scale but I do like this and I like that you mentioned how there is the customer feedback you know I always think of kind of like the underground thing. Anybody who's from New York knows they have like these, uh, they're like underground delivery liquor services. So they make like these pre-mixed drinks that <laughs> like a nutcracker. If you are from New York, you know what I'm talking about. And they'll like come and deliver it to you. You know, it's like 10 bucks and you should probably share that with quite a few many people um, <laughs> if you want to <laughs> you know anyways but the point is like these things are happening but the feedback and the loop and like kind of that um, the scalability of it just doesn't always happen and so I really like that they're thinking about this on how do we go direct and how do we sort of um, you know think about it differently right like how do we get the feedback that we need where we're not just going to the liquor store the package stores or like the grocery stores wherever they may be going and and um, and so I think that that's a good market for them to be doing that in, and sort of like taking that first step. So yeah. There you go. All, All right. right. So I like this story. Um, Walgreens. Um, you know they're always trying. What is that at the Walgreens? At, is, it, is Walgreens the one that's at the corner of Happy and Healthy? Mm, I don't know. I could be wrong. I'm sorry if I really messed that up, guys. But uh, Walgreens is always I'll trying. Look it up to while you're talking. All right, confirm that for me. Uh, so they are always trying to do some innovative things and this is probably by far the most innovative and creative they have gotten and they are teaming up with Wing, um, which is a drone delivery service. Um, so Wing, if you're not familiar with them, they're actually the first drone operator to be certified by the Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA. Um, as an air carrier, and they are eligible to deliver um, these Walgreens orders to residents in Christiansburg, Virginia. I was like, okay, where is this place? Basically, it's in the middle of nowhere. The population is about 22,000. Uh, but the reason why they've chosen this is because um, Wing apparently had a relationship with Virginia Tech, which is nearby in Roanoke. Um, 
So Wing also, as a side note, is owned by Alphabet. So obviously they um, have no issues with working capital and <laughs> scalability mm -hmm. uh, and technology. But um, what's also really interesting about this is that there is a Walgreens store within five miles of about 78% of the U.S. population. So, you know, that means that just getting that last five miles um, could really expand their sales and generate more revenue. Um, did you confirm my statement? Yes. So, so you, you were correct. It, it was, uh, at the corner of happy and healthy, but they've changed it. Uh, they've dropped that now and it's now trusted since 1901. Oh, seems well, like boring now, right? I don't know. Yeah. 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 If you, I always say, if you got to talk about being trusted, then that's questionable. Anyways. <laughs> um, <laughs> So of course I really love this story. You know, I'm always all about like convenience. I want things here and now, and you know, they talk about like, this is great for a working mom. And I'm like, yes, preach. This is exactly what's great. So, you know, a lot of Walgreens are open 24 hours a day. Uh, you need meds in the middle of the night for your sick kid. You need prescriptions delivered. I'm like, hello, convenience, take my money. Here it is. Come with a drone delivery service and give me that baby Tylenol. Give me my prescription that I need. Don't make me leave the house. Bring me some chicken noodle soup and ginger ale while you're at it. Pack of saltines. I don't know, whatever you might need, but like, I love this idea. I think this is genius. Um, and what I really like about the drone delivery is like, they're kind of, even though it's still delivery, like they're cutting out that human aspect, which I know we usually talk about as a pro, but you know, sometimes the human aspect can be not so great, right? So if you're thinking about getting delivery for medicine or anything like that, I think this might be one of those cases where you don't want people seeing you <laughs> and you're ready just for a drone to, to make that delivery, you know? So I think this is awesome. I love this idea and I really hope that this is something that they scale outside of the middle of nowhere, Virginia. So. Yeah, I think it's, you know, we're at that time now, right? Where I think, um, you know, drone delivery is is starting to make sense in a number of different product categories. I think, uh, um, you, you know, I, this is certainly one one application. I think Walgreens is smart to be playing around with this. But, you know, we, we've talked about Uber looking at this space. We've talked about um, uh, FedEx, other all sorts of other companies. Um, 7-Eleven. Yeah, 7-Eleven exploring in different ways. Um, so yeah, you, you know, I, I think it's interesting. But but I think you know, for for me, one of the things here is is really about you know what is what is the product category? Is is it uh, you know pharmaceuticals? Is it uh, marijuana and CBD product? Is it you know you know you know what are the categories where this is going to make sense and actually scale quickly? Um, so I think there there are a lot of opportunities there, but uh, yeah, I like it. I like that Walgreens is, is is stepping out, trusted since 1901, you know, and 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 still innovating. So there you go. <laughs> Good for them. All right, final story now. Um, so Starbucks in Japan uh, has launched a new product, and uh, it is a uh, a pen. Yes, Starbucks in Japan has launched a pen. So it's not any pen though. This is a pen uh, that is a built-in NFC enabled digital wallet. And so it's a pen shaped like a, uh, a coffee drip machine. Um, it's, but it's a real pen. It has uh, brown uh, gel ink in it that looks like coffee. Um, and uh, it, you can write with it. It's, uh, 
It uses NFC uh, technology from a company called uh, Felicia Chip, uh, which is F-E-L-I-C-A. Um, this is the not the first product that Starbucks has put out that uh, is, is an NFC-enabled product. They have many now. This is the fourth one, apparently, uh, in a line of, uh, of products called Starbucks Touchline in Japan. Uh, they have a phone case with built-in NFC uh, from Starbucks. They have a flask. They ha even have a little mini handbag that they call the Hug. Uh, and these are all limited ed uh, edition items. Um, so they put them out on their website. You can buy them uh, for a limited time only. But for the pen, uh, it just came out in, the, in their online Starbucks store. Uh, there's three colors, black, silver, white. Um, they cost uh, the equivalent of about $37 uh, American. And it comes preloaded with a thousand uh, yen on it. Um, so interesting. I, I mean, I, I think it's if you think about it, of all the things I just described, like that's probably the one that's the most convenient. Like you know, we all like to have a pen with us, you know, to occasionally write something down. And you know, if I've got that pen in my jacket pocket or whatever, and I can just tap it, you know, to make a payment, you know, it's 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 pretty convenient, I would say. Um, so. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Uh, bye, Felicia. I don't know. I, think <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. Um, yeah. I think this is, I mean, okay, a pen gets lost easy. And maybe I am just being really like obtuse to Japanese culture. Um, maybe there is a like businessman's culture, businesswoman's culture where, like you said, they consistently have a pen on their, you know, jacket and it's there. And so this is just going to take the place of that pen. I can't keep a pen to save my life. Um, so this sounds like a horrible idea to me. Uh, I mean, I can't think of any of those products that I would use um, to pay with. The best thing to pay with is something that's always on me, which is my phone or my watch, right? Like that's the easiest thing. Um, I mean, I always like that Starbucks is being innovative. And I, again, I do think that like Apex uh, culture and what they will Think is like cool and adapt to is very different than what we are used to here in North America so um, I don't know I mean maybe I'm just being like ho-hum on this one but yeah um, mm -mm. not for me yeah I mean I mean it's not I, I can't see myself using this all the time but if I'm over there I'm a regular Starbucks customer and I'm a pen person then and I've got this thing in my jacket every day then okay it, you know I, I can see it you know, so I think what, like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to reach out to Cooney, who's the guy who heads up the LBMA chapter in Tokyo. And I'm going to say, get me one of these pens. And when I show up there next month for the LBMA conference, I'm going to walk into a Starbucks and I'm going to try it out and see what the experience is like. So there you go. All right. Well, I want you to videotape that. Yeah. So, all right. So that's our show for this week. Um, three industry news stories, three member news stories. Um, you've been listening to episode number three, uh, 433 of This Week in Location-Based Marketing. Uh, of course, uh, if you have story ideas, feedback, suggestions, criticism, all those lovely things, uh, reach out to us. Um, if you're watching the video uh, version of this, contact information is at the end of the show. And if you're not, uh, you can easily find Aubriana or I uh, on all the various social media platforms out there. We thank you for listening and watching. Um, have a great week, everybody, and we'll be back next week with yet another show. Bye. Bye.